Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Cox. Here are today's top stories. Another flying object shot down by the U.S. military. What the White House and Pentagon are saying and what prompted President Biden to order it shot out of the air. The FBI searches former Vice President Mike Pence's home today. What they found and how Pence is responding. Redacted documents obtained by Judicial Watch show U.S. and U.K. health officials exchanged information about adverse reactions to the COVID-19 vaccine. They allegedly had an agreement to keep the information confidential. American troops possibly on the ground in Ukraine. The Pentagon reportedly wants to bring back a non-combat operation that would send American soldiers to Ukraine for the first time since the war started. And search and rescue efforts continue in Syria and Turkey as the earthquake's death toll surpasses 22,000 people. Turkey's president saying their response wasn't quick enough. Another flying object grounded. The U.S. military today took down an object flying over Alaska, prompting questions about who's behind it this time. NTD's Iris Tao brings us the latest from the White House. The object shot down over Alaska, Mr. President. Less than a week after the Pentagon shot down a Chinese spy balloon, the U.S. military grounded another flying object over Alaska. The object was flying at an altitude of uh, 40,000 feet and posed a reasonable threat to the safety of civilian flight. Out of an abundance of caution and at the recommendation of the Pentagon, President Biden ordered the military to down the object. The White House says the object was discovered on Thursday night and President Biden ordered to shoot it down Friday morning. The White House adds they are expected to recover its debris as it landed in U.S. waters. But the biggest questions, including who sent this one over and if it's again for spying, are yet to be answered. We don't know if it's state-owned. Um, and we don't uh, understand the full purpose. We're calling this an object because that's the best description we have right now. The few details we do know so far include the fact that the object was the size of a small car and was confirmed to be unmanned before it was taken down. The Pentagon wouldn't get more specific in its Friday briefing. Look, there are going to be times when there's activities happening that we're monitoring that we're, we're not going to go public, especially if it doesn't present a particular or pose a significant threat. Biden's already facing Republican backlash for taking days to ground the Chinese by balloon and for saying this is not a major breach. And lawmakers are now sounding alarms on the many more threats posed by Beijing. Republican Senator Ted Cruz has reintroduced bills to take on Beijing's espionage and influence operations in the U.S. And all this as we'll find out more about the latest flying object in the coming days. Reporting from the White House, Iris Tao, NTD News. And a test by Beijing in 2018 may hint at more capabilities of the Chinese spy balloon. Back then, a similar aircraft could carry three hypersonic missiles. With reports of balloons serving roles in Beijing's warfare, let's take a closer look at previous tests done by China in 2018. Footage displays a similar high-altitude balloon, but with three hypersonic missiles dropped as part of testing. Chinese state broadcaster CCTV reported on the weapons test in 2018, showing the balloon lifting three hypersonic glide vehicles, or HGVs, from the ground. HGVs are generally launched by rockets. Once in orbit, they can fly through the atmosphere themselves. 
According to Chinese media reports, the balloon-dropped HGVs were part of an effort to test the weapon's free-fall process and develop precision hypersonic warheads. And former Vice President Mike Pence had his house searched today by the FBI, and during the search, the Bureau found another classified document. NTD's Jason Perry has that story. Members of the press lined up outside of former Vice President Mike Pence's home in Indiana while the FBI searched it for hours. The Bureau was looking for additional classified documents, and they found one. An advisor to Pence told the Epic Times in an email, the Department of Justice completed a thorough and unrestricted search of five hours and removed one document with classified markings and six additional pages without such markings that were not discovered in the initial review by the vice president's counsel. Here's Pence on Fox News explaining how the classified documents ended up at his home in the first place. During the closing days of the administration when materials were boxed and assembled, some of which were shipped to our personal residence, mistakes were made. Um, we were not aware of it at the time uh, until we did the review just a few short weeks ago. But uh, I take full responsibility for it and uh, we're going to continue to support uh, every appropriate inquiry into it. When Pence was asked whether he thinks a special counsel should be appointed for the investigation, Pence said he'd leave that decision up to the Attorney General and the Department of Justice. Attorney General Merrick Garland has appointed special counsels to investigate the classified materials held by President Biden and former President Trump. Trump has said he declassified the materials before leaving office, as presidents can declassify materials and vice presidents cannot. And just the day before Pence's home was searched, media outlets reported that Pence was subpoenaed by special counsel Jack Smith. Smith is currently overseeing the criminal investigations into Trump's classified documents that were kept at his Mar-a-Lago residence. Both of these recent incidents could affect Pence's decision on whether he'll run for president. Jason Perry, NCD News. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton faces a $3.3 million settlement with four whistleblowers. They publicly accused Paxton of abusive office bribery and other criminal offenses in 2020. In a filing today, both parties asked the Texas Supreme Court to delay its review of the case while they finalize an agreement. In addition to the money, the final settlement is expected to include Paxton apologizing to the four whistleblowers for referring to them as rogue employees in a 2020 press release. The former high-level aides were fired within a month of accusing Paxton of corruption. Their lawsuit asked for reinstatement to their former positions or equivalent positions as well as reinstatement of lost benefits and seniority rights. Paxton did not admit liability. And a watchdog organization today revealed emails between U.S. and U.K. health agencies that refer to a confidentiality agreement on COVID vaccine safety issues. In the emails, the agencies exchanged information about adverse vaccine reactions. NTD's Arlene Richards reports. In March 2022, conservative watchdog group Judicial Watch filed a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit against the Department of Health and Human Services. The group filed the lawsuit after the FDA failed to respond to an August 2021 FOIA request. It asked for information on adverse reactions to COVID-19 vaccines. On Friday, Judicial Watch announced it received 57 pages of heavily redacted records as a result of that lawsuit. 
The group revealed in a Twitter post that U.S. and U.K. health regulators had a lengthy email discussion in December 2020 about adverse COVID shot reactions. Just two days before the FDA approved the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine, they said during the discussion, the regulators emphasized their mutual confidentiality agreement. The FDA issued its emergency use authorization for the Pfizer COVID vaccine for individuals 16 and older on December 11, 2020. In the email exchange, a U.S. official provided slides of two adverse reaction cases that were presented at a public meeting. The slides were redacted from the records. NTD reached out to U.S. and U.K. health officials and asked whether or not the alleged confidentiality agreement exists and whether or not the slides are now accessible to the public. If we receive responses, we will report them in a later broadcast. Judicial Watch said there were also emails that raised new questions about the vaccines and pregnancy. For example, one email had the subject line, co-administration of COVID-19 vaccines with other vaccines during pregnancy. The officials said they were, quote, fine with this language, referring to the subject line. Then one official said, please let me know if you want to connect about the adverse event issue later today. Seems like work still ongoing, but let me know. With the other replying, we have a meeting with Rochelle at 3.30 about if we should say anything or wait until we have more definitive information. I will let you know where we land. I'm not sure there is a right answer. Judicial Watch presumes Rochelle is the CDC director, Rochelle Walensky. The group has so far received 1,081 pages of records from Health and Human Services detailing discussions about the COVID vaccine and myocarditis, as well as information on adverse events in which the COVID vaccine was a possible contributing factor. They are currently challenging the agency's redactions. Arlene Richards, NTD News. Virginia Attorney General Jason Miares and 19 Republican state attorneys general are threatening legal action after a leaked internal FBI memo warned about a link between so-called radical traditionalist Catholics and violent extremists. In a letter to the Justice Department and the FBI, the attorneys general said, quote, the FBI must immediately and unequivocally order agency personnel not to target Americans based on their religious beliefs and practices adding that the targeting of Catholics for treatment as violent extremists because of the language in which they pray or because of the beliefs to which they subscribe is unacceptable, unconstitutional, and deeply un-American. The FBI said yesterday that leaked memo does not meet the exacting standards of the Bureau. It said it's committed to upholding the constitutional rights of all Americans and will never conduct investigative activities or open an investigation based solely on First Amendment protected activity. The purported memo was first published by former FBI Special Agent Kyle Serafin, who said he obtained the document from another FBI whistleblower. And the Pentagon reportedly wants to continue an operation that would allow them to deploy American troops in Ukraine. They're now apparently asking Congress for funding. The Pentagon reportedly wants Congress to resume funding for a pair of top-secret Ukraine programs. That's according to the Washington Post. It reports that 15 current and former officials familiar with the matter spoke on the basis of anonymity. The program would allow the Pentagon to deploy American special operations troops in and around Ukraine to observe Russian military movements and counter disinformation. The program had reportedly been running since 2018, but was suspended ahead of Russia's invasion. 
No American troops have been in Ukraine since the war started, with the small exception of a few soldiers at the U.S. Embassy in Kyiv. A retired three-star general who led U.S. special operations reportedly told the Post it would be good to resume the program quickly, saying, when you suspend these things because the scale of the conflict changes, you lose access. And it means you lose information and intelligence about what's actually going on in the conflict. However, critics say an action like this one puts the U.S. at risk of coming into direct conflict with Russia. An unnamed official told the outlet, what started as a reconnaissance mission can quickly turn into combat when the surrogates start getting shot at. I think that's a real possibility in Ukraine. NTD reached out to the Pentagon for comment, but didn't hear back before broadcast. A decision on the issue is not expected before fall. Meanwhile, Representative Matt Gates on Thursday introduced the Ukraine Fatigue Resolution. It states that the United States must end its military and financial aid to Ukraine and urges all combatants to reach a peace agreement. This is the latest action coming from a number of Republicans wanting a change in how the U.S. handles the Russia-Ukraine war. In an accompanying statement, Gates said that President Joe Biden must have forgotten his prediction from March 2022, suggesting that arming Ukraine with military equipment will escalate the conflict to World War III. And in the latest update from Europe, Russia reportedly fired missiles over the country of Moldova. BBC reports that Russian airstrikes on Ukraine saw missiles flying over Moldovan airspace. President Zelensky said Russian missiles over Moldova present a threat to NATO, of which Moldova is a member. Reporting by Arian Pastar, NTD News. And SpaceX is trying to stop Ukraine's military from using its Starlink internet service for controlling drones. It says the system wasn't meant for that purpose. NTD's Colin Fredrickson has more. SpaceX has taken steps to stop Ukraine's military from using its Starlink satellite internet service to control drones. Company CEO Gwyn Shotwell says the system was never meant to be weaponized. She says Ukraine has used it in ways that were not intended and not part of any agreement. Shotwell said the system was purely intended for humanitarian purposes, not offensive operations. SpaceX has now taken action to stop Starlink's use with drones, but wouldn't give details. It wouldn't say whether some service outages in Ukraine were connected to the measures. The system has provided Ukraine's military with broadband connections for its operations. Starlink has shipped thousands of terminals to the country, allowing users to communicate via its network of satellites. Shotwell said its use for communications was fine. Russia has attempted to jam Starlink signals in the region, but the company says it has been able to counter that with software changes. Colin Fredrickson, NTD News. More than 22,000 people are dead five days after two devastating earthquakes shook southern Turkey and neighboring Syria. The Turkish president said the country's response wasn't fast enough. Despite the fact that we have gathered perhaps one of the largest search and rescue teams to the region with more than 141,000 members, unfortunately it is a fact that we have not been able to respond as fast as we hope. Erdogan said some people are looting markets and attacking businesses. A state of emergency has been declared in the affected areas. This would allow the state to impose necessary penalties. In Turkey, the death toll is approaching 19,000. The disaster now ranks as the seventh deadliest natural disaster of the century, surpassing Japan's 2011 earthquake and tsunami. On the other side of the border, the Syrian president made his first trip to areas impacted by the quake. He denounced the West's reaction to the calamity.
They say that the West gave the priority to politics over the humanitarian situation, but this is not true. To give priority to something over another, both situations must exist. As such, the political situation exists, but the humanitarian is non-existent for the West. Syrian President Bashar al-Assad said it was normal to politicize the situation. Ahead of his first speech since the earthquake, the president and his wife went to a hospital in the affected area. The presidential palace shared pictures of the couple visiting people injured in the disaster. An artificial intelligence chatbot, ChatGPT, is causing headaches for universities around the world. It's a powerful technology that can write essays, and it could potentially change education forever. ChatGPT is an artificial intelligence tool launched by OpenAI as a prototype in November 2022. It's available to the public and can generate answers that are nearly impossible to distinguish from human written text. And that has many educators worried. Students could potentially use the tool to answer take-home test questions and other assignments. Sciences Po Paris, one of France's most prestigious universities, prohibited the use of ChatGPT and all other AI-based tools. It means that students are not allowed to use ChatGPT to get a grade. That's it. And if they use this artificial intelligence, they break the contract of intellectual honesty because the work is no longer personal work or sourced work. So once the situation is clear, we'll have to get used to it because we'll be living with chat GPT 3, 4, 5, 6. It is likely that changes will come about very quickly and teachers will take over, probably changing the way they teach and assess students' work. OpenAI launched a prototype AI detector in January. But the tool isn't fully reliable and can only detect 26% of AI written texts for now. I think we still need humanity in writing, but maybe we don't need as many humans to, to get that humanity. So um, I think these programs will be sort of writing first drafts of documents, but you'll still need oversight, human oversight, to, to check it hasn't made any mistakes and to correct for biases that the programs will have. So. Part of the training of students then is to try and understand how to use these tools effectively and ethically. Other educators are more open with the new technology. At Middlesex University in London, Professor Balbir Barn has recently published a blog arguing ChatGPT could be your ally. He says he thinks it's a mistake to outlaw the tool and he's looking at how it can improve the student educator experience. These technologies are enabling technologies. We have seen how there's been this evolution from word spell, you know, spelling checks on word and then grammar checks on word and then summarizers. They're all part of the writing armory. What we're now seeing is some generative writing capability. What we need to do is to equip the students with the recognition that that's just a starting position. We can now use what's been produced, enhance it, and critically evaluate it and identify its weaknesses and then produce a piece of work. By the time schools opened for the new year, New York City, Los Angeles, and other big public school districts in the U.S. began to block ChatGPT in classrooms and on school devices. If you have any news tips or feedback for our show, you can email us at eveningnews at ntd.com. And coming up in the NFL, the big game is just two days away. NTD's Dave Martin shares his Super Bowl pick. 
And in Southern California, a mouse is honored for being the world's oldest. His species is an endangered one that a local zoo is trying to protect. Now over to sports news, here's NTD's Dave Martin with today's top stories. Thank you, Steph. The Super Bowl is just 48 hours away, with the Philadelphia Eagles currently a one-and-a-half point favorite over the Kansas City Chiefs. Now this matchup has several storylines. While the Chiefs have plenty of experience at this stage, given this is their third Super Bowl in the last four years, the Eagles are roster with virtually no holes. The only thing they're missing, though, is the game's best player, Kansas City's Patrick Mahomes, who just won his second MVP. But Mahomes and his top receivers, including All-Pro Travis Kelsey, are limping into this contest with various injuries, all while facing an Eagles secondary that's one of the best in the league, featuring pro bowlers at both corners. That's not their only advantage, though. Philadelphia boasts three Pro Bowl selections on their offensive line, while their defense features four players with 10-plus sacks. Meanwhile, Pro Bowl quarterback Jalen Hurts, who's been banged up himself, has a pair of 1,000-yard receivers to throw to. What should add even more juice to this match, though, is the anticipated grudge playing out on the sidelines that actually goes both ways. You see, Chiefs coach Andy Reid was fired 10 years ago by the Eagles after a 14-year run that included six division titles. But he was immediately hired in Kansas City only to fire some of the remaining staff there, and that includes current Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni. Ultimately, though, the game normally comes down to the biggest stars making plays, while Mahomes seems to be at his best with his back against the wall. Look for the Chiefs to win in a thriller. And for your sports viewing schedule tonight, the NBA has 11 games on, featuring Kyrie Irving and the new-look Dallas Mavericks playing at the Sacramento Kings. And finally, for you hockey fans, the NHL has four games on, including two-time MVP Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins playing at the Anaheim Ducks. And that's it for your sports news today. Steph, back to you. And finally, the world's oldest mouse hails from San Diego. The Guinness World Record crowned him at nine years old. Pat, short for Patrick Stewart, was honored with the Guinness World Record for the oldest living mouse in human care. He's nine years and 209 days old. He is a Pacific pocket mouse, a tiny endangered species. The San Diego Zoo, where Pat lives, says the big win and title will help raise awareness about wildlife conservation. Due to habitat destruction and urban expansion, the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance established a breeding program for the endangered species in 2012. Last year, 117 pups were born, the most in the program's history. Many will be reintroduced to their native habitat this spring. And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Stephanie Cox. Good night.